from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio, and we are powered by the Wharton School. Sirius XM, channel 132. Call us throughout the show, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Hey, we've got Dream Team in studio. Michelle and Dion here taking your calls right now live. And I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. And today we've got a great show for you. Of course, we're taking calls on any and all topics. So if you've got a question or tip, we'd love to hear from you right now at 844-942-7866. But if your job has lost its luster you feel burned out or you've hit a ceiling, on today's show, we're going to offer ideas to pump life back into your current job. It's CPR for your career. And to help us with that, we welcome Karen Holst. She's an entrepreneur turned intrapreneur. From co-founding a startup to launching new technology with a government agency, Karen has two decades of deep expertise in design thinking and product innovation, including working at IDEO to help launch a new online learning platform. Karen's work has been highlighted in the New York Times, TechCrunch, NPR, CNN, to name a few, and her new book, Start Within, is coming out soon, and it enables entrepreneurs to leverage their company's structure, tools, and market access to create an inspiring career. Welcome, Karen. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited to have you here, and can you just start by telling us what the heck is an entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's uh, like an entrepreneur, but uh, you're within a company or an organization launching your idea. So one big difference is you're not out getting money from VCs and angel investors, but instead you're using internal resources to launch your idea. And another difference is that you get to, within your company, have a paycheck, have health care, have some of the security that comes with working within a company. So if you're, if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, what qualities should you be, be looking at in yourself? What do you need to do to be a successful entrepreneur, Karen? Yeah, there's, there's lots of traits I've seen and people that have been successful in this kind of role. Two that really stand out are starting with humility and, and a humble approach to the work. So it's not trying to have all the answers out of the gate. It's, not, you know, it's checking your ego as you, you come into a room and instead just opening up to trying to find a problem that's worth solving. So that's certainly the, the beginner's mindset and starting there. The other is tenacity, and this is true as an entrepreneur as well, but you're going to hear lots of no or this won't work because, and you have to be able to hear that, reflect on where there's some truth in it, and then be able to move beyond it and push your ideas forward. Hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, channel 132. You can give us a call all hour if it's Thursday noon Eastern, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. We're here all hour with Karen Hulst, who's an entrepreneur turned intrapreneur. And tell us about your new book, Karen, that's coming out, Start Within. Yeah, so my career has been non-traditional in that I started by launching a company um, and after about 13 years of, of co-founding that and running that, we got acquired. And I had a moment of pause where I loved the autonomy and the work that we were doing, but I was ready to solve problems within existing organizations. So I, I joined the Department of Education and later IDEO. And in both of those roles, I realized that, wow, solving problems, launching new ideas within existing structures is way more fun. I like the idea of the constraints that you have within these companies and that being a guardrail and helping you find the right solution. And, and in doing all this work, found that much of the conversation around this is spoken at the cultural level of the, here's how to build the teams and the companies to allow for this, but not for the doers. You know, the people that are really rolling up their sleeves trying to do this work, how do I do this work? Where, what are the tips and resources that will get me through? So the, the book really became the playbook of that kind of work. And also just getting to talk to other entrepreneurs and innovators and in the work that they're doing and highlight, you know, the strategies and tactics that they've done you know, to get unstuck and push their ideas forward. So one of the things I found interesting on your website, Karen, where you had all of the, the stats about what 
is going on in the market? Like, first off, entrepreneurship decline. What is that about? Yeah, I think, you know, people are certainly still driven to own a project, but there's more, you know, consideration about I need to have stability, I need to have a paycheck, and there's lots of disruption going on, there's lots of noisy channels to to launch your company. So people are really starting a more traditional route, more so today than they used to. Um, But I don't think that makes us less entrepreneurial. In fact, I think the upcoming generations are more tech-savvy and more entrepreneurial, and it's more about how do we as companies enable and inspire people in that work to do it within the company or organization that they work at. So let's talk a little bit about why you might want to become an entrepreneur. And I want to focus today's show not only on the idea of becoming an entrepreneur, but for some people, they're just not feeling it at their jobs anymore, Karen. They're just like, my boss is terrible, or I'm being micromanaged, or I just am not interested in this work anymore. And so I want to inspire listeners who are out there feeling like you're burned out, you're done, this isn't for you anymore, to think about, is there a way... You can create a situation in your current role where you can make it more satisfying. So if you're in this position and you want some ideas or tips, give us a call right now on Career Talk, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So Karen, what are some of the the signs that that you're just not feeling it anymore? Yeah, it starts to feel like each day is the day before. You're just getting up, you're heading the alarm, you're drinking your coffee, you're heading to work, you're starting to zone out. You might be spending more time on the internet searching around for something else. It could be a different job or just being distracted in general. And when you're not feeling that drive, when you're not jumping out of bed and excited about what you're doing, that's the chance for you to reflect on what, what could you be doing that would be you know, driving you to, to be more fulfilled. So some of the things that people tell me when they're ready to make a career change is that they really dread Sunday nights. They really <laughs> like, you know, Sunday nights becomes, you know, it's your, your entire weekend is interrupted because all of a sudden Sunday morning and you're excited. And then as the day goes on, it's like, ah, I have to, I have to go to work on Monday. And there's all these Monday memes on social media about how awful work is. And I'm a believer, Karen, that work does not need to be that awful. Sure. We'd all love to, to have infinite funds and and be able to work when we want, how we want. But the reality is this isn't the case. And I think a lot of times when people start getting burned out, there is something specific. So it's not usually the entire situation. There's something very specific, whether you know, it's an extended commute, whether you're not making enough money, whether you just have a terrible situation with your boss, or um, you know, that you can pinpoint and change before leaping into a new career. And that's why I love this topic of entrepreneurship, because I think it's really easy to think it's time to go. But but sometimes there's a lot of benefits to staying where you are and creating a situation. So for example, if you've earned your place in the organization, if you have tenure, if you have built a reputation of being somebody who is reliable, you may have a lot more power than you think to change the things around you. And so that's why I love this idea of entrepreneurship, because I feel like we all have a lot more power than we give ourselves credit for. Hey, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk, powered by the Wharton School. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham, and we're here with Karen Hulst, entrepreneur turned intrapreneur, talking all about how you can make your current job your dream job. So so kind of to get into this topic, Karen, I, I kind of came up with a very fun would you rather that <laughs> we can kind of get people thinking about this topic in a different way. And so, Dion and Michelle, I'd love for you guys to play along with the Would You Rather. I, mean, I know, Dion. I'm always in. I know, I know. <laughs> Begrudgingly. Well, yeah. Okay. Okay. Ready, guys? All right. Would you rather have a mean boss who's consistent and fair or a nice boss who's flaky and inconsistent? You have to think. Wait, of- how can you be mean and consistent and fair? Is he just like consistently mean? Yeah. <laughs> But fair. But good at his job or her job. You could be mean and fair. Karen, can you be mean and fair? I know. I've had that job. I've had that boss. (laughs) I know which one I'd prefer. Which one? The mean. (laughs) I was waiting for that question. Wait, please, please do tell us, Michelle. Wait, let me make you wait for a little bit longer. No, it's uh, the mean one. 
Really? Yeah. All right. Tell us why. Well, I, you know, if you're flaky and then you're not going to be invested. So you're not going to be invested in me and me excelling at that position. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to learn anything there. But with, even if you're mean, I can put up with you for a while and hopefully learn something if you're good at your job. Okay. That's fair. I'm going to go with mean and fair because I can't trust flaky. Like I've, I've had angry and fair. Like, I, I used to have a job where the boss would literally come in yelling every day at the top of his lungs. Just about anything. That's That was just his volume was 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could deal with that rather than being flaky. Because if you're flaky, then I can come to you for something and and you and you just forget about it. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd rather have mean and fair. All right. Mean and fair. So um, which would you rather have? Well, I know what I am. I'm, I'm I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I probably would rather have mean and mean and fair too. Um, but you're not yeah. you're not flaky. No, I'm pretty flaky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my mind is like a sieve. I know I say it. You don't micromanage. I do not micromanage. See, I love I love the euphemism there. I, I am not a micromanager, but I also don't ignore issues either. I care. I'll tell you, I do care. And sometimes when you care, you come across mean. Um, and that's just the way it is. But I wanted to bring up bosses, Karen, because I feel like this is obviously the statistics out there, the research out there say this is one of the biggest reasons people leave a job. And so, you know, can you can you fix your boss? And I, I think that's the unfair question because you don't necessarily need to fix your boss. What you need to do is change or shift the relationship. So so what are some strategies to do this, Karen? Well said. Yes. I think the first place to look at is your job description. What were you hired to do? And in looking at that, either the mean and fair or the the nice and flaky, either one of these bosses, when you use that as your guidepost, you can start to point out where you're growing, where there's opportunity to, to do other, you know, other things that still fall within the purview of your job. It, it also gives everyone a level you know, playing field of the expectations. So the job description is a really good place to continue to go back to. And if you're not feeling drawn to the work within that, you start to explore what are other job responsibilities that could be a little outside of what I'm doing today, not too far, but enough to start to grow. I love this idea because I'm going to challenge the listeners for a second. When was the last time you looked at your actual job description, the actual piece of of paper or online link that got you hired? Michelle? I don't even know how to find that. Perfect. I mean, I took the job, so it's not there anymore, hopefully. <laughs> it's it's so funny because I, I read this on your website, Karen, and I thought to myself, um, I, I have gone back to mine once or twice, but I think um, most of us just don't think to do this. So we get hired yep. and we never go back to the job description. And what's worse is we also know a lot of job descriptions that are posted online are market tools and aren't exactly accurate and and aren't specific. So they're not talking about measurable results. Um, so you really want to go to your company internal website and get that internal job description, not the one that was necessarily posted online, and start to look at that and say, am I doing all these things? What am I not doing? What has changed? What has shifted? And I think that's a great place to have that conversation with your boss. I mean, if you can't find it, recreate it. And, and do that with your boss. You know, it, this is what I thought I was supposed to be doing. If there's a, a nod in the wrong direction, no, that was not part of your job description. Then it helps you realign. I thought you were going to say, if you can't find it, ask your boss. And if they can't find it, now we're all in trouble. So, but, <laughs> but I love that because I think this is the theme of this show. The theme is it is about empowerment. It is about creating the job you love. And just because you're not in charge, just because you're not the one calling the shots, doesn't mean you don't have a lot of power and you don't have a lot of ideas. And if your boss isn't one to necessarily be open to them, I think the job description is a nice neutral place to start because, hey, presumably that person had some insight into that job description. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 132. We're here with Karen Hulse. We're talking all about how to make your current job your dream job. And let's face it, for some of us, we just can't leave our jobs, whether it's a money issue, whether we can't relocate, whether it's just a situation we're in for now. 
And if you can't, you don't have to feel stuck. You are empowered to do things that can make it better. 844-942-7866. Hey, if you've done something to make your current job better, we want to hear from you. We're live if it's Thursday, noon, Eastern, all hour. 844-942-7866. So I love that. But what if you have, so what if you have some ideas, Karen, that come out of this job description and your boss is just a naysayer? They're like, no, we can't do it. We don't change here. We have no budget. We have no resources. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> yep. There, there, there are going to be those moments. I think there are some steps that you can take to turn a no into yes, and, and some of it depends on how you pro- approach the problem. So I think when you first come and you, you, you share it and you hear an outright no, it's acknowledging the concerns. You know, without hesitation, it's, it's nodding, it's listening, it's taking it in, not being defensive, and, and immediately trying to come back with why they're wrong. I, I think beyond that, the next kind of phase is to give it space. So you, you heard a big fat no, you're feeling pretty terrible about it, you're going back and you reflect on it. Where, where is there some truth in it? Where, where could you maybe improve? Sometimes people need to come you know, to their own solutions on their own time. Um, the third of like a fourth phase would be to, after you've had the time, to reapproach the conversation with a different problem or question and then kind of considering a, a prototype to approach it. So maybe it's not out of the gate that you get to go own this project or product and, and, and run with it, but instead, what are the small baby steps that you could take to prove value to the company? I love that because I think a lot of people want instant change and they think, you know, I'm going to go in, I'm going to pre- present this idea. And they obviously are, are not aware of what's happening in the larger organization, or maybe they haven't stopped to think about it. But I do think it's about planting seeds. And I think it's about recognizing that maybe this is something new to your boss, that your boss had no idea, kind of hitting them out of left field. And they just need some time to digest it. They just need some time to think about it and see how it would work. Um, one of the the tricks that I love is creating an experiment. I talk about this in my book, Switchers, where if you use the, what I call the um, the retail model. So, so the retail model is that stores that have generous return policies sell more because you know that you can change your mind. You know you can bring it back. And I've actually made an art out of this. I, I return things a lot and it's kind of like making money. Um, but that's aside. <laughs> I need to do that right yeah, now. I know. We can go through your closet again, Thanks Michelle. Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> um, but, but this is something that works because they know most people won't change their mind, won't bring it back like Michelle. Um, and they sell more. So I think applying this to the workplace is so useful where you say to your boss, hey, can we experiment? So, for example, I would like to work Fridays from home. And, you know, here's all the reasons why I think it will work. And can we look at this as an experiment for three months? See how it works. If it doesn't work, no discussion. We'll go back to how things are. And and that'll be the end of it. Because I do think people are more willing to say yes to something that has an out. And so if you do this, chances are your boss is going to say, sure, we can, you know, we could try this out. We'll see how it goes. And then in three months, I mean, chances are they've even forgotten that that this is a thing because it's working. So I think this idea of, hey, can we do this as an experiment? Can we try this out? Gives your boss or whoever you're trying to convince a way out if it doesn't work. And you're more likely going to get a yes, which gives you the opportunity to prove that it's something that can work out. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 132, 844-Wharton, 844-942-7866. Hey, if you've got a challenge going on in the workplace, whether it's a boss or a bad schedule or somebody who's bugging you and you're thinking, maybe this is time for me to move on, we got tips and tricks all hour long on how to make your work environment and your work life better right where you are. 844-942-7866. We're here live if it's Thursday noon eastern 9 a.m pacific and we have karen holst on the phone entrepreneur turned entrepreneur who is coming out with a great book called start within so so karen you were about to jump in on that point so um i will turn it over to you yeah no i I love that idea and i was just going to suggest you could even chunk that further rather than coming right out with this ask which was you'd already kind of made it a smaller ask but test it by taking a, a work from home day you know calling in sick but still doing your work um, having the check-ins, something that you can show of value later when you say, hey, I'd like to try this for a month. I did it last Friday when I was sick, and I still got lots done. See, here's some proof. Mm-hmm. So I think when, um, to your point of like, what are the small steps to get there? 
even before that, what are some proof points that you can point to to say, see, it, it could work? Mm-hmm. I love that. I think that is so important that I want to I want to stick on that for a second because we, last last week we had Heather Hanson, who's a trial lawyer, talking all about how to to apply those those skills to the job search, and proof was such a core part, and it's such a core part of the the job search or asking for a promotion or a raise or negotiating. The fact is is that you can't just go in with words. Words mean nothing. It's actions. What have you done? What are you contributing? What do you have to show for it? Because I can pretty much guarantee for most people, unless the, your boss shares an office with you, they don't know all the things you're you're achieving each day or, or struggles that you're overcoming. And so if you don't already do this, what I would suggest is keeping a dashboard for yourself, maybe sharing it with your boss monthly or quarterly, whatever makes sense for your job, but create a dashboard because not only will this be a great way to communicate how productive Uh, you are at work and what an impact you're making, but it'll be a great way when performance review time comes to have all of this information documented to the extent you can measure it and have that information. Because I'm telling you, bosses are busy. They're not necessarily paying attention. And even though you think they might be, they have no idea how hard you might be working on some of this stuff. Hey, 844-942-7866. You have a challenge at work and you'd like to make your workplace a better one. We're here all hour. Maybe you have. Maybe you've implemented something, thought you were going to leave your job, and the last minute you decided you're going to make it a better place. We want to hear all about it on Career Talk 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Karen Hulst, and we are talking all about how you can instill new life into the job that you already have. So so we've been talking about how to turn a no into a yes. And with your boss, you've talked about how you can maybe change the relationship. I mean, the fact is sometimes just sitting down and having a conversation saying, what is the best way to communicate with you? What is the best way to share what I'm doing? What it, you know? How do you prefer that we do this? Can make a world of difference. Two reasons: one, you can do it differently, but two, it shows that you actually care that this relationship works. All right. So, would you rather? I'm back to would you rather, Michelle and Dion. All right. Would you rather work a ton of hours, but it's pretty flexible when you do it, or would you rather? Work fewer hours, but you need to be punching a clock. Ton of hours, flexible. 100%. That's what I do now. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> Needed. Me too. I love it. So so the reason I bring this up is because I know that a lot of people don't have this autonomy. And this is one of the things I would look for in any job in my future because it's so important to me. So as we're looking at what is the one thing that that isn't working in your job right now, if this is it, what are some ways that you might be able to change this, Karen? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is do you find purpose behind it? I, I think both Michelle and Dion love what they do. So they're, they're willing to do a ton of hours. And maybe if you're not loving your job, you'd do the second. You'd rather just clock in and be done with it and not have to put a lot of hours in. So I, I think the first part is self-reflection. Like what, what gets you jazzed about your day? What are you jumping out of bed because you know you get to do that day? And, and what's kind of the, the, the drag part that you can, can learn about yourself and maybe you know, tinker from there? Yeah, and I think there are certainly jobs where you just can't have that flex time. They're just, I mean, those are certain jobs. And if that's something that you reflect on and find is so critical to you, then it may be time to look for an opportunity where you are able to have that flex time. But I also think there's a number of jobs that could have that flex time, but it's not necessarily part of the culture of the organization, or maybe your your boss or your department lead isn't very open to it because that's not the way that it's done. So I feel like you can go back to something we talked about earlier, Karen, which is, you know, try and experiment, try and say, hey, you know, it would be really helpful for me if I staggered my hours and worked from from 1030 to 630 because then I wouldn't have to spend two hours in my commute. Is this possible? And then, like you said, Karen, give them proof, show them that why this would work. Yep. And part of your communication strategy is not just with your manager, but also with your team. So you don't want any teammates going behind your back and saying, hey, you know, why isn't Karen around? What is she doing? You need to be able to keep them in the loop on how you're still productive and how you're still providing value to the team. So it's, it's really bringing everyone along, not just your manager. Mm-hmm. 844-942-7866. You're listening to SiriusXM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Karen Holst. And hey, if you've not read my new book, Switchers, it is on Amazon. Switchers, 
how smart professionals change careers and seize success. If you're looking to make a career switch, you definitely want to check that out. So would you rather, Dion, get... (laughs) Specifically me? (laughs) Well, and Michelle. But, you know, just wanted to make sure. Um, Get visibly recognized for your job or get a bonus. Monetary bonus. bonus. <laughs> okay, okay. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Before you just jump to bonus, because I don't see my answer changing, but go ahead. Bonus. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I think there's some valid reasons. I, yes, money's good. I think there's some valid reasons why you might want the the visibility in the organization. Can you think of any? Dion? If, if it brings a bonus later, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair. Touche. Um, I walked right into that, Karen. But uh, So here's the thing. It's funny because, yeah, I, I definitely, with no information, would go for the bonus. But I think one of the things that people struggle with, if they want bigger roles in their company or they want to work with bigger clients or they want to get on leadership roles in projects or lead a team is you do have to be visible. So you could be working your butt off and doing all great things, but without that visibility piece, it's going to be really tough to get some of those higher up opportunities. And we had uh, Carla Harris here, who's, um, who's great, has two great books, expect to win, strategize to win. And, you know, she said something that kind of rocked my world, which is, you know, most of the decisions about your career are going to be made behind closed doors without you there. And I was like, whoa, like I know this, but to hear her say that. And the fact is the people who are making the decisions, who know what the strategy is for the company, who know what roles are coming, what roles are going, what clients are coming, what clients are going, are thinking about how to staff those positions. They're thinking about succession planning, and they're thinking about the people who not only do a good job, but are visible to them. So I do think there's something to be said about visibility if you're looking to move up in the organization. Thoughts, Karen? Yeah, totally. I think part of that is you know, collaborating across departments and, and being seen beyond just your team or your manager. And, and I totally saw this once in one of my, the roles I've held where I had um, been talking about the project and really trying to pitch it across the company and why we should be doing this and become allies with someone in the finance department. And this person really helped me in creating the budget and number crunching and um, a lot of the, the strategy that went into this project. But later, unknown to me, in a board meeting, this person also spoke up and talked about getting more resources and, and really talked about the value I was bringing to the team and to the company. And, and, of course, I did not go into this relationship with that in mind, but when it came out later on that that's this came up, I thought, wow, that, that, that is not what I expected. So <laughs> to the point of, of what you're saying, I, there's, there's both the communicating across the departments, but there's also, you never know who's going to speak up for you. So it, it's just being, you know, out there and, and known. Yeah, no, and, and the the funny thing about this is that um, you know I talk about this a lot in switchers that if you are looking to make a functional switch, one of the best places to do it is within your own organization because you've already built your credibility, you have the access to the relationships and other departments, and you know a lot of people think, oh, I want to change functions, I have to look outside, but I think if you are visible, if you are well-networked in the organization, and if you have a good track record, a lot of times companies will want to keep you on board, even if that means helping to train you in a new role in a different department. So if you're thinking about making a switch, don't don't overlook your own backyard because you may have some more opportunities than you think. And the, the best part about it is you can try before you buy. You can ask your manager, hey, can I do some projects with the marketing department over here? Just I'd love to learn more about what they do or more about our clients or more about the research that's happening in the market and you can start opening those doors even before you make a decision that that's what you want to do. 844-942-7866. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, channel 132, and it's time for our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay, this is totally random. I don't even know how I came across this fact. Aren't they all? Yeah, that's true. All right. All right, here you go. Actor Richard Gere of Pretty Woman fame attended the University of Massachusetts on a scholarship for this sport. What sport did Richard Gere attend the University of Massachusetts on a scholarship for? 844 Wharton, 844 942 
1-866-472-5787. If you think you know, you can give us a call. You're listening to Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Graham. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We're here on Business Radio, and we're powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 132. Hey, you can call us right now if it's Thursday, noon Eastern, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And just in case you missed the pre-break quiz, I'm going to give it to you one more time. Actor Richard Gere of Pretty Woman fame attended the University of Massachusetts on a scholarship for this sport. If you think you know, you can give us a call, 844-942-7866. And we're here today with Karen Hulst, who's an entrepreneur turned intrapreneur. And her new book, Start Within, will be coming out soon. And Karen, where can people reach you if they'd like more information? You can email me, karen at start-within.com, which is the website for the book. You can also find me on LinkedIn. We can connect, follow, whatever suits your fancy. I also have a course on product innovation that you can take there and a new course that will be launching this month. Or I'm on Twitter, at Holst. So they can find you everywhere. And the funny thing about your course on LinkedIn is that's where we met. We met in the hair and makeup room where we both spent an hour and a half every day, way too much time in hair and makeup. <laughs> not, not enough time for me. Yeah, yeah no, that's so not true. Um, but, but I think the, the great part was we literally sat next to each other. We started having this conversation and, you know, one thing led to another. And Karen invited me to this group, Author S, which is where Heather was from last week. And now you're here. And my point about saying all this is networking networking. Now, now it would be really easy to sit in that in that hair and makeup room and not talk to anybody. It really would. But the fact is is that you have to take advantage of and you've even had you more things come out of that, right Karen? Yeah, yeah. The, there was a guy next to me the next day who was teaching a course on selling products on Amazon. And I was like, yeah, my, my book, I'm about to be doing this. Tell me, tell me what I need to know. So he and I connected. I was able to give him some people in my network. He's done the same. I think networking kind of requires two things. One of them is being open to learning and just listening. So many people go into a networking event with a, what are you going to get out of it? How are you going to help me? And that is just so unauthentic. And you can read right through it. And you're not really interested in helping people. You know, getting beyond that part, I think there's a networking karma or a bank that we work towards. So it's always about helping others and it will definitely pay back later. So and and the thing is, I think that's spot on. A lot of people, when they think about networking, it's like going to something or or reaching yeah. out to somebody. But there's so many opportunities right where you are. I mean, in that situation, it was right where we were. And then, you know, when I was actually getting ready for, for that LinkedIn and, and trying on outfits in the mall, I met another speaker who I connected with. And we were both in the dressing room trying on different clothes. And I was like, what are you, where are you speaking? Where are you speaking? And it's like, then we connected. It just people are all around you. We just have to be curious. That's it. Yeah. And I, I think the reason those two stories stand out is because they were unexpected. You were open to learning, to listening, and it was just a, a natural connection. You didn't have to force it. Mm-hmm. 844-942-7866. Hey, so you've been both an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur. Karen, do you have a preference? Oh, I love them both for different reasons. Um, I, I will say that I fell into entrepreneurship because I was a little burned out on the VC funding and, and going after money, uh, the roller coaster that comes with startups. But um, yeah, I mean, I think when you have a purpose, when you have an idea that you really believe in, it could be in either camp. And the opportunity of doing that idea within a company, it's, it's the training wheels. You can still go off and do it on your own, but it's also the opportunity to start testing it with a little bit more security. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tag on to that word, that word testing, um, because I think this is where a lot of people really get stuck, Karen. It's like they, they you know, I was reading something um, about the fact that we, we dream, we have these dreams and we talk about it and we talk about it and we talk about it. Uh, and it, it's like our mind almost interprets that we're doing it. Like we get so much pleasure about talking about this book we're going to write or this thing we're going to do and that your mind's like, oh, we've already done it. But the fact is you haven't done it. And yeah. so that first step is so hard. So make it a small one. Make it a small one. It doesn't need to be a leap. 
And entrepreneurship, if you're thinking about being an entrepreneur, can be a great first step. I do this in marathon training and in other points of my life as well. When I have a big, heady challenge I want to take on, I don't just think about the challenge, but I think about the small milestones to get there. So first it's a 5K, then it's a 10K. It's getting up these days of the week to get my runs in and building up the mileage to be able to do that marathon. If I just thought about the marathon, I would be completely, I, I wouldn't be able to just jump to 20, you know, beyond miles that I'm doing today. Mm-hmm. And I think we are, we are, we are always wanting a structure. We're always wanting a path. And a lot of the things in life that are awesome have no path. You have to carve it. Entrepreneurship's a great example of this. Intrapreneurship's another great example of this. And I always say on the show, Karen, clarity comes through action, any action. It doesn't have to be the right action. It doesn't have to even be a related action. Take an action. Talk to somebody in the dressing room. Um, go on an interview. A lot of people who may not be sure if their job's right for them, I say, go interview. And they say, well, I don't want to interview because we're, you know, I'm not really a serious candidate and stuff. I don't want to waste their time. I'm like, well, guess what? If they interview you, they're not guaranteeing you're going to get a job. So why not go check it out? See what what the company's like. See if the grass truly is greener. Go check it out. And chances are, through that action, you're going to get another action and another action and another idea and another idea. Yeah, I love that mantra. You can always go back to the drawing board. When you start to put together your plan of what you think you're going to be doing, it will inevitably change. But by having one, it, it, it moves you forward. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM, channel 132, and I think we should answer our pre-break quiz because I know Dion's really interested in this. Um, so, Dion. Well, I mean, I've never seen Pretty Woman, so. Whoa. <laughs> I knew you'd like that. No, you're lying. You I've have also to never be seen lying. Star Wars. Yeah. Okay. I don't even know you. <laughs> like, I don't even think you're of this planet. You have never seen Star Wars or Pretty Women? No. You know who Richard Gere is? Yeah, he was in, um... Uh, he was the, not in Star Wars. He wasn't in Star... It was a movie about, um... Uh, uh, about Camelot. Um... First Night. Okay, you've seen a movie called First Night, but you've never seen Pretty Women. I'm, I'm a nerd for that stuff. Okay. I don't, I don't even... <laughs> I'm, like, beyond words. So, okay, well... You don't really have to know Richard Gere to know the answer to this question. Thank goodness. You kind of do, though, No, you, you really don't. Okay. You really don't. Um... Fencing. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. That's not it, but no, 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 that's not it. (laughs) But I thought that was a good one. (laughs) Michelle? I'm going to guess rowing. Oh, that's a good one, too. Thanks. That's a good one. With Uh, all the scandals, I thought maybe maybe uh, you were tying it into that. uh, No. There's no tie-in to anything, actually. All right. (laughs) Of course not. Why would there be a (laughs) tie-in? I don't know where it came across this back. But I think we got an answer on Twitter, too, didn't we? Yes, Rip City Jeff. R.I.P. Jeff. Was, he thought it was gymnastics. Well, he would be right. Wow. I Rip know. City Jeff. I know. Thank you, Rip City Jeff. Hey, and I thought this was uber interesting that he was on a gymnastics scholarship, which, and he only attended for two years. He was a ph- philosophy major, and he's very multi talented. He was a musician, which I know you guys can appreciate. And in the film you did not see, Pretty Woman, there's a piano (laughs) scene where he's actually not only really playing, but he's playing a song he composed. Isn't he fancy? That's a good scene. Well, he was also... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't even know what to do with that, Michelle, because it's really not about playing piano. Um, Anyway, he was born in Philadelphia. I'm curious now. (laughs) Yeah, I bet you are. He was born right here in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So there you go. More than you ever wanted to know about Richard Gere. And Dion, we have to have a movie night. I I mean, Twilight Zone, Pretty Woman, like there's multiple others that we just, we just have to like lock in. I've seen The Godfather. Great. There's three of them, you know. Yeah. Um, It's it's, it's more like two and a half. Okay. That that, that third one doesn't count. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, it's gymnastics. So there you go. Um, Okay. But would you rather, some while we got you. Would you rather... I'm not going anywhere. I know. That's true. <laughs> I'm here for the hour. Yeah, it's true. It's your job. You have to stay. So, Which means you have to answer questions. Would you rather love your job and hate your coworkers or vice versa? Oh. Ooh. These are terrible. Would these I are rather so hard. hate my coworkers Terrible and, and hard are two different things. They are hard. They're not terrible. <laughs> They're um, terrible scenarios. I don't want to have to choose. I know, but this is what the world's struggling with and why they tune into this show, Michelle. We're, we're here to help people. 
Uh, I would I would love my job and hate my coworkers because I can I can I- ignore people easily, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> I would definitely do that too. I don't want to hate my job. I don't want to hate my coworkers, yeah. but I don't want to hate my job. Because then you're in that spot where you're just trying to get in and get out as much as possible. Right. So. I'd much rather hate the people than 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 the job I'm actually going to do. And we've already chosen uh, flex time in these scenarios, yes, so don't, we don't, don't have, have to see, to see them. them. <laughs> Perfect. You'd rather... <laughs> yeah. You could just work from home. And you don't exactly. have to see your coworkers. Amazing. Yeah. So it's interesting because there's research out there that shows that people who have a work friend, so a best friend at work, are more engaged, more productive, tend to stay longer. So it is important. It is important that people have somebody at work that that they can relate to. So, um, so Karen, if you're in this position where you love your job but you're just working with miserable people, what it, what what can you do in that situation? Gosh, I, I, that's a tough one. I think you need to start by kind of reflecting on why they're so miserable. Uh, it might be a reflection of the team culture or the organization's culture, and that could be a place that you could start and looking at are, are there are ways to breathe life into that, you know, having, you know, donuts brought into one of the meetings and have them be different flavors each week um, or just trying to jazz up life day to day anyways. But if you're just stuck there and you're looking at the people and you, and you can't see yourself ever, you know, really enjoying the work with them, can you take that same problem that you are excited about and, and find a different team to work with so that that First place to look is within the company, but even beyond, can you take these same skills and apply it somewhere else where you will like the people? Yeah, that is really a tough one. And it depends on, obviously, um, you know, is it one person? Is it multiple people? Is it everybody? Uh, And, you know, what do you do about that? I like your idea about moving to a different department in the organization. I love your idea about bringing food. Food always makes people happy. So I think that's a that's always a good step. But obviously, that's you know, not that's a, a band-aid solution to a bigger problem. But you, I think, too, it's making an effort. I think, you know, trying to understand people and sometimes people aren't going to change and they're just not going to come around and you might decide you have to leave that company or at least that department and move somewhere else. But I think in certain cases, it's just about breaking through and saying, you know, who are you? Let's go out to lunch, grab, grab coffee. Let's like figure things out or maybe find a work friend in another department because I know we don't always have the opportunity to just jump ship and go somewhere else. But then I like Dion's uh, response too, which is just try and work remotely more often <laughs> so you don't have you to deal with I like it. I like it, Dion. Um, I went to a team where I had a devil's advocate on the team that would constantly just, you know, no, this won't work and here's why. And I, I finally learned that by having lunch one-on-one and talking about the ideas together, getting those out of the way there, learning about them, kind of sharing feedback on how to you know, interact with other team members, we then would get into the room with the team, and he completely had a different attitude. He'd already gotten that part out of the way, and then the team was also more engaged because they were able to get past that you know, wagging of the finger that he always did. Yeah, I, th- I love that idea. I also think in mindset, you know, you need a devil's advocate sometimes to poke holes in your ideas and make them better. So instead of looking at it as a, oh, here's this person again, look at it as, are there opportunities in this? Are there opportunities to learn from this? And if it is one person, I do agree. Go out to lunch, trying to understand that person. I am very much of the mindset that if we dig beneath the surface, we all have more commonalities with each other than we actually think, except Dion in his movies. I don't know. <laughs> it seems dark. First, first, nice. first Night was what a great the hell's movie. First Night. It's about Camelot and, um, you know, uh, Camelot, King Arthur. It was great. Great. Oh, great. It was good. Okay. Um, <laughs> So is Pretty Woman, just saying. Might have won a few awards, too. Um, So let's talk about politics, because one of the things about being an entrepreneur, Karen, is that you probably have to navigate some internal politics. And I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm terrible at politics. What can you do if you're just not politically savvy? Is there a way to improve that? Yeah, I I do think that being curious and leaning in and, and learning as you go is going to teach you that. So when people say that, I ask, have you, have you been burned? Have you done something? And most of the time, they haven't. They're just hesitant and putting themselves out there. Now, if you have and you've learned from that, then what, what did you do that was wrong? If it was a kind of you need to swim in your own lane moment where you, you got too far into someone else's job, then there might be an opportunity to go speak to that person or that team and say, hey, I can see there's a little overlap here. I want to make sure that we're on the same page. How does this feel? And being proactive. 
Yeah, I totally agree with you um, that you really have to step back and observe, see what's going on, understand when you overstep and pay attention. I think this self-reflection piece, we're missing this a lot because our days go by so fast and we're on social media and we're looking at our phones and email and everything's coming at us at once. I think a big part of this is really just observing what's going on, who interacts with who, who defers to who, who gets to speak up, who gets to go first and, and watching all of these things. And then I'm not saying you have to play into it or or not be genuine, but I think you have to pay attention to how things get done in your organization because each one is different and you can't just use the hammer approach. I'm just going to nail everything down. You've got to adjust. And I think this is a big part of emotional intelligence that we hear so much about now and something that, that you just need to learn through trial and error, Karen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and ways to lean into that are, who in the organization do people go to when there's a problem? And I don't mean HR because, you know, you're trying to solve for something. But instead, it's like, who, who do you go to if you wanted to pull them aside to the water cooler and say, hey, I'm, I'm stuck. What would you do in this situation? Those types of people tend to be kind of the network and the ability to, to help you push ideas forward. So they're part of that political um, you know, conversation to have. Mm-hmm. And I do think building that network is another important one. I mean, the more people you can have backing your ideas, supporting you, even giving you ideas or even challenging your ideas, the more you're going to be able to present things that are going to be able to move forward in that organization. Because as an entrepreneur, I think some of the challenges are there are people who just love status quo. I, I hear this a lot in, in a university setting. This is very common. This is the way we do it. <laughs> this is how we do it here. So, you yeah. know, how do you get past that? How do you get past that? This is how we do it here. I, well, I, I think one part is the motivation. So what is motivating people to do it that way? You might be your great idea that just seems like a slam dunk for your company might really affect another team and their metrics, their KPIs, their performance that they're trying to achieve. And so they might look at the idea and want to just kill it out of the gate because it's going to slow them down, make them look bad, whatever. And so it's really looking at the organization as a whole and the motivations. And, and you, the way I talk about this is kind of a bullseye approach. The very center is the customer and then moving out as employees in the company. So you, at the very center is what, is what your idea and what you're trying to push forward going to help improve the interaction with the customer or client. And then at the employee level, is it something that's going to improve the processes or the way that you do day-to-day life you know, within your company? And then as a company, does the idea affect the bottom line? Is it going to improve re- retention? Is it going to improve recruiting? Whatever the idea, however it falls within that. If, it, if your idea is able to hit all three marks, then you have something that you can move forward. Yeah, I love that. And I love that you talk about in your articles, you know, you can you can just pay attention and see what's valued at a company. What's valued? Is button chair valued? Watching the clock valued? Because actions are so much louder than words. You might have a vision statement, a mission statement, but if you just pay attention to what people are doing, what people are getting rewarded for, what people are getting reprimanded for, you can start to see what that organization values. And once you have that key, there's a lot you can do with that. So so Karen, um, as we're kind of winding down, there's something that I love, the five whys exercise that you talk about where, you know, for for individuals who are thinking, ah, I know I'm unhappy. I don't know why. I don't know what the right thing to do is. I love this exercise. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah, yeah. And and so we'll, let, we'll do the exercise together. I will start with just the generic statement of I don't like my job. You ask me why. I'll give you some answers and we'll go five whys deep. So perfect. I don't like my job. Why? I don't enjoy the work. Why? I think it's because I don't get to choose my projects in the work that I do. Why? Well, I, I don't have the title that allows me to choose my own projects. I haven't gotten a promotion since I got here. Why? Well, I, you know, to get a promotion, I guess I haven't created enough value to the company. Why? I know that's six. I don't have the skill set that the people ahead of me do. And, and I think getting to that fifth why is really important. You want to get to something where you can actually create a possible solution. So I don't like my job is really hard to then come up with a solution. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the bottom one, I don't have the skill sets that people ahead of me have to be able to get the promotion, to be able to own the projects. Now I know something I can do. I could go interview people who do have my ideal job, ask them what skills they have, learn how they got the job. And I love this exercise because it can be applied to so 
many things in your life. And I know if you were here in the studio by like the third why, you'd probably want to punch me in the throat. But I think you <laughs> kind of set it up. You're like, I'm going to just ask you why a couple of times. We're going to dig in. But we actually use this in therapy. I'm a licensed psychologist and we use a similar exercise in therapy because you come in, you're like, I'm unhappy. Well, why? Well, because I don't like my job. Well, why? You know, and you kind of dig down. And what we don't realize is that there's so much beneath the surface. And if you can get to that, that core, that root of the problem, bam, you can create a solution. But if you stay up on the top, you're going to spin your wheels. You're like, what if you're going to daydream and it's never going to change. So I love this exercise. So if you're struggling with something, whether it's your job, a relationship or, or anything in your life, try this out. Why, 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 why? I know it sounds, it sounds a little bit annoying, but journal it, whatever you need to do. I think this is super, super helpful. Um, totally. as a, yeah, go ahead, Karen. And, and doing it where you have the space to think. So you're swimming, you can think about it. When you're doing something already, you get a slight distraction from just the word why, and it, it opens you to think about it more deeply. Mm-hmm. It, it so works. Like, I, I can't even stress to you, if, if you take one thing away from the show, try that out with a problem and get down to the core root of it. Because my, let's just face it, mindset is is a is a big deal. And I know when people are trying to do the entrepreneur role, role or entrepreneur, you know, doubts creep in, imposter syndrome, all of these what ifs. And I know you talk about that a lot in, in the, I saw early copy of your book, Karen. So how can people get around that? Yeah, I think you have to let that go. And, and asking these whys is one, is one approach. The other is, you know, what is holding you back? And, and this might be a place for you to dig in deeper. So if, if something's holding you back from talking to your boss about potential new opportunities and, and that thing is because you haven't um, had your mid-year review, schedule something with your boss to learn where you're at today with your job. So there's always something that you could be doing today and thinking about the future. Yeah. And there's, you know, one of the things we really need to do as individuals is pay more attention to the things we say to ourselves, because here's, you know, I'm putting my psychologist hat on for a second. We believe ourselves. We believe what we tell ourselves. So if we tell ourselves we're an imposter, we're not good enough. We believe that. I've read this article uh, in um, medium.com and it said that, you know, most people wake up and they have two toxic thoughts. First thing out of out of bed, I didn't get enough sleep and I don't have enough time. And I thought to myself, well, mm. God, this person's in my head because I think about that all the time. I always think, oh, I didn't sleep well. I didn't get enough sleep and I don't have enough time. And when you start your day like that, everything around you, because your brain wants to avoid cognitive dissonance, it becomes the truth. So be aware of what you're putting out there in your own head, because if you start putting out thoughts like, I will get this done, I can do this, I got this, I've done it before, your life will change, period. Karen, it's been so great having you on Career Talk. Thank you so um, much. Tell us one more time where we can reach you. You can find me on my website, website start-within.com, or email me, Karen, at start-within.com, or on LinkedIn, Karen Holst. Yep. And do be on the lookout for Karen's book that's coming out called Start Within, as well as her LinkedIn course on product innovation, which will be coming out the end of June. We're so excited. Thank you so much, Karen. This has been a great discussion. And Michelle and Dion, thank you for being good sports and playing long. R.I.P. Jeff. Thank you. You got the pre-break quiz right. I know you didn't Google. I know you wouldn't do that. And of course, to all of our guests and listeners, we are here for you every week on Career Talk. So if you haven't got my book yet, by the way, Switchers, How Smart Professionals Change Careers and See Success, it has all of my best tips and secrets in there. So do check it out. You've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM channel 132, and we'll see you next time. 